search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCers, to episode 121. We're here again, talking about more League of Legends. I goddamn love League of Legends. So, um... I want to get straight into some heavy topics here. Okay. No dicking around today. No dicking around. <clears throat> so, one of the topics that I've been exploring is uh, I've been trying to identify tools to, that we can use to cut through the negative emotions and BS around ranked. And one of the tool. You know, you know. Let's say someone's been listening to BBC for a long time. You, did your dad like have a like a, a tool shed that just had yes. all these tools in it? Very intimidating. <laughs> it's very intimidating. <laughs> this is what we're, we're starting to get because we have so many tools to deal with different it's things. The tool shed's like, getting full. It's getting full. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. There's some we haven't used for a while in our toolkit. Yep. So we're adding a new tool here, Kevin. That's right. We, that we, right? We, we probably got to do a, you know, a, a stock take and or try reorganize and, things. We got to reorganize it. It's getting out of control. It is. You know, you know where we'll reorganize it, Curtis. Mm. The season thirteen ranked <laughs> ultimate. Yes. Guy. Okay. We'll do a recap of yep. all our tools. All the toolkit. Maybe tool throw some out. Yep. Um. Yes. Good idea. Um. Okay. You know, one of the things that we. I think we kind of really pissed on when we work with Jono is the whole thing around gratefulness. And I think Jono would, I love, I took this one thing from Jono, which was you can't get randomly, just get rid of emotion of a negative emotion. You need to replace it with something, right? You can't just, you can't just say, don't be angry. I mean, you've got to turn that anger into something else. Right. And gratefulness is very powerful. It's a very powerful thing, a very powerful emotion, being grateful for something. And, um, one thing I've been dwelling on is, you know, you talk about league as your dojo. You know, you step into your room, you it's get onto office. the rift. It's like your office. Summer's rift is my office. That's right. And you kind of- you, When I'm versing someone, they're invading me, step into stepping my office. Stepping into your office. So you've got like this really personal connection to the rift and it's like your space. Um, one of the things I love about league is that it's one of the few things that allows you to express who you are as an individual. Now, think about many the other mediums that you can do this in. Music, you can express who you are through music and your musical expression. You can do, I'm, I'm sure there are other sports out there that you can express yourself in. It show your how you want to play the game, how you interpret winning that game. There's many sports like that. Um, you can, I'm assuming this is in other things like driving. You know, driving is probably a very expressive thing. <clears throat> um, martial arts is probably another one as well. League of Legends is just one of the few, another medium that you can express who you are as an individual um, in, in its purest form. And remember a while the ago- The thing that I love about the League of Legends as well, I expect is because it's even further. It's about character. Like who do you want to be? Like the, you get to play a character yeah. and there's so many versatility. In, and that's the great thing about League of Legends, why it's such a big game is because you can play any style. You know, you can be yeah. the UFC You can fighter, be whoever you want to be. Robert Whittaker playing Darius Top. You can be the the mage, the the FPS skill shot guy that you were. You can be me, the more, you know, winning games through being really strategical. Yeah. You can play however you want to play on the Rift. And remember we had that conversation, was like two years ago, how we're walking across the bridge near us and we said, how amazing is it that in your own bedroom, 
the comfort of your own home, oh, wearing, it's unbelievable. Wear, wearing whatever you want to wear, you can then just completely immerse yourself into something for 35 minutes. You, you, get, into, you get onto the rift, you click your fingers, 35 minutes is gone. You don't even realize. You're in this, you're in this <laughs> online environment with all these people, especially you know in my games, like tempo, speed, you can't make a mistake. Oh, and it's crazy. You're in, in flow your state, right? You, we, you enter the flow state. Absolutely. You lose track of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what an amazing thing. Like yeah. what an amazing that it's you can at the click of a button. Incredible. You just you can queue enter, up. queue yeah. up, you can enter the flow state, be in a competitive environment, mm. and more importantly, express who you are as an individual. And you could do it in your pajamas, dude. Yep. You know, like slippers. Like let's say whatever you want to do. Let's say, you know, 30 years ago, dude. You know, like if you want to get if you want to be competitive, you would have to, you know, go to the indoor soccer place or go to the basketball place and get ready and you gotta commute. The barrier to entry is much much higher, right? Incredible. So the point I'm trying to make here is that I see the rift, and I've been trying to see the rift more like a canvas, a blank canvas. And only me, we'll use you as this example. When you play Rexai, no one in the entire world will be playing Rexai like you in this game. Your past experiences in WoW and your upbringing and your entire ex- all your experiences, your current skill set, your your mood, how I've started the game, how you've started the game, everything. No one will be able to replicate exactly your input. In my exact decision making, this right. is true. It's only Nathan Mott's Rexai in this game. It, it, the, no one can replicate that. That's you. You own that. Mm. That's like your signature is on the riff right now. And how cool is that? That so you can cool. just and okay, you know when we we're queuing up, right? And a lot of people get nervous and they're they're getting in these mm. negative states, like, oh my team's doing this mm. and this and this. Imagine if you just fuck all that, right? Mm. Say, put it all to the side. You say, you know what? I'm really grateful. I have the opportunity to express who I am on the rift. That's what I've been doing recently. I literally look outside my window, I've been doing my thing where I take my hands off the keyboard and I say, I'm genuinely like I can't wait to get on the rift and show the world what I can do. What does Curtis's Vex in this game look like? No one else is going to play Vex like me in this game. People can get inspiration from my Vex. I might even get inspiration from other people, but it's never going to be the same. What a beautiful... And and it just cuts through the fat. It cuts through all the BS. And it gets you in this really... It, it allows you to enter the free, free flow state a lot easier because you're not judging yourself. I am what I am. I am playing how I play. I can't do anything more or less than what I can do. I'm just going to do do what do what my my mind allows me to do. That's it. And I just love that. I love that train of thought. And I think it's such a pure, beautiful, cut through the BS toolkit that can get anyone into the right frame of mind to perform well on the rift. Love it. Yeah. Anything awesome. else you want to expand on that? Or are you good? I that just gets me so excited. Dude. I just want to play League of Legends right exactly. now. Exactly. No, spot on. I'm I'm the exact same. So how does that tie into improvement? So, you know, you know you, that key thing you said there is like, you know, let, let's say let's say someone is really down. They, they they maybe they don't like the person they are on the rift. Okay. Right. And let's say it's like, let's say you know you th- you've got a blank canvas. Someone else uses their their perception of their canvas. It's like ripped up a little bit here. You know, it's like it's pretty dodgy. Okay. Yeah. And and and. When I say that, that doesn't mean that that canvas is a finished product. Like, sure, there's that one game and we, we do our best, but every single canvas that we paint, 
there's there's an opportunity to improve on improve it. Improve on it. Refine mm. your skills. Every single time you're doing it, you're refining your skills just that little bit more. You get into the review. You look at what you did. Like you, 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 using the painting analogy, I can step back, look at the canvas, look at the the paint, the painting that I've done. Uh, I should have done this. Yeah, like shape. Oh, that could be yeah, a bit better. Like, I could oh, tighten up those stroke. edges, whatever it might be. And you can you can look at it right and um. So basically the reason I'm bringing this up is is that it allows people to show what they're made of because one of the big problems with some of our clients, Nathan, is that they bring a VOD and we don't know if that is their best or not. We don't know if, if, the, if they're only playing like this because they're jacked up mentally or is this genuinely their level of play mm. and then – and because I don't want to set someone a learning objective if this, they already know this, you know, or, or or this is an outlier game. I wouldn't be too worried about that, though, because remember the key thing about League of Legends is that just because someone knows it, they can forget about it or that they're not putting their attention to that My anymore. My point being, though, Nathan, um, I'm gonna, I'll frame it a different way. Every client I have, I break their problems down into this four categories. We have stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. Stage one, micro execution. Stage two, macro decision making. Stage three, reference points and win con assessment and all that stuff around our champion identity, very high level stuff. Understanding why I'm making those decisions. Stage four, out of game, mentality, psychology aspect, relationship with the game. At the end of the day, if there's a problem with stage one to three, they're very easy to fix. It's like, we can get into that. We can get into the knowledge. I don't want to misinterpret a mistake as a stage two or stage three. If it's actually a stage four, mm. the whole point of this tool toolkit is to, we can basically guarantee it's not a stage four. We can cross stage four off completely. And then we know it's only about the game. That gives a player so much more clarity, doesn't it? You know? It does. We just, we're just cutting the fat. We mm. know there's no excuse anymore. It's like, this is you. This is you on the rift. This is what you're capable of. There is no excuse. Um, that's the purpose of it, essentially. Um, and this ties into another beautiful point. You know, a while ago we said, Nathan, on the podcast, we have intuitions, right? Let me frame this way. We have intuitions. We have intuitions about things, but we can't. We sometimes can't explain why that is the case. An example of this is a while ago we said, the two most fun periods of one's journey is at the very, very beginning and at the end in Master Plus, right? This also extends to learning champions. When you learn a champion for the first time, you're very childlike. Why is that? There's no expectations, expectations. right? When you first start playing League of Legends as a game, you have no expectations of what you are or not capable of. You just play to play. You don't, there is no image that you need to uphold there is no expectations that you're trying to meet that someone you're else a you're, you're just a noob no, yeah it's, i'm a noob and i and you've you've fully internalized that you are a noob and you're okay with that it makes sense same thing when you learn a new champ i am a noob on this how can i be good at this champ if i've never played it so that's why we see the first 10 games of a lot of people when they play a new champ they sometimes play better than they do games 20 to 30 or they literally 90% of the time do. That's right. Because they're pre-flow, childlike, no expectations. Game 10, 11, 12, 15. Oh, okay. I'm actually starting. I think I'm pretty good at that. Or, oh, you know, I've actually played the game. I mean, the champ quite a bit now. I actually shouldn't make those mistakes anymore. You start to have expectations and these expectations and fears impose an element of like, I guess, anxiety or whatever, the mental baggage on you, right? 
in master plus it's a bit different right in master plus a lot uh, uh, by then you've you've developed that muscle memory haven't you you've developed that muscle memory of a lot of the fundamentals you don't really need to put in time and energy thinking about that stuff your mental stack is so freed up that you can think about the game holistically and more importantly a lot of the time you've proven to yourself that you're good like you, you can improve at the game like i actually did an interview with necklace recently saying he said when I got to Diamond, he said when he got to Diamond, that was sometimes it was more impactful for him to get to Diamond than it was to Master. Because when he proved himself he could climb from gold to diamond, in his mind, he'd proven to himself that he can learn, that I can genuinely get better. It's like unlocked like the a skill tree in like an MMO or something like that. It's like, oh, I I have that ability. Even if I get into a bad spot later on, I'm confident that I can figure out how to get through it because I've done it in the past. Yeah, that's right. And and so anyway, but Master Plus, that free flow, that that free flow is why the game becomes more fun is because your creativity is is unlocked, isn't it? Because your mental stack is so free and you can think about the game holistically. You to, you're winning games of League of Legends rather than playing the champion. You don't need, yeah, you don't need to worry about, you know, all the, all the basic things. Um, and last thing we'll touch about this is that both of these players, they kind of have permission to be vulnerable. When you're a beginner, you're okay being vulnerable because you're, again, you have no expectations. When you're in Master Plus- And let's say even getting, let's say you have a friend getting taught by someone, you're just always going to be, there's nothing to be defensive about because you, you know, you're, you're a newbie. Like, oh, cool. What's that? How does this champion, how does that work? But remember the longer, because I have this sometimes with some of my clients, they get really stuck onto a way they play the game, whatever. And it's like, yeah, they obviously know that I'm a way higher yellow player and way more experienced player, but they still have trouble like- understanding where I'm coming from or like, you know, even believe in me to an aspect because something like worked in the past and, you know, that's maybe replicable or consistent, I find as well. Yeah. And so the key message that I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is vulnerability. The the more vulnerable you allow, you allow yourself to be and the more open to- Okay. The What's the different definition between Curtis, vulnerability and open-mindedness? I think it's very similar. I don't think so at all. What do you think? What's your interpretation? My interpretation would be... My inst- that's my default. My instinct tells me it's similar. What, what's the difference? I don't, I don't know. It's just a scary word to me <laughs> for some reason. Maybe it's because I'm a guy or something. But open-mindedness is more like, let's figure this out. Hmm. When I when Vulnerability I, is like... When I hear vulnerable, it means... Uh, okay, maybe is it like, uh, is it you're getting your ideals questioned? It's it, it, your yeah. view of the game question. You know, okay. So to clarify, for me, vulnerable, it's like extreme openness. That's the way I interpret okay, it. Okay. So open-mindedness is just, okay. So it's yeah. extreme openness. Yeah. So Because that's what a beginner really is. So specific of what openness of what things, their view of the game. Yeah, their view of the game, their, game, their preconceptions, what, what they think the best plays and why, like everything. Like that, the, the, and that's why I, I use the analogy of a beginner. When you're a beginner of a champion that you've never played before, say you play a new role, new champ, and you're, you know, you have a lot of the time, and not this is not for everyone. Some people can be quite defensive about how they want to play a role, but it helps to learn if someone. Imagine you get a client; they say they're new to jungle, and every single thing you say, and when you when you ruin their play, they're like, okay, okay, and they take it on board. They take it on board. They take it on board because they're a beginner. You don't want that yeah. later on, right? Yeah, I was going to say Obviously, this, but as a this, beginner, yeah. you want that. You don't want a beginner who's never played jungle to be questioning 
why you should be tracking jungle first. Of course. Cleanup, right? Right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude, just yeah. listen to me, right? Yeah. Later on, of course, you would you actually do want them to question you. Like you obviously your will as a client would you would want them to kind of say stuff back. That's important because right? they have to still have because otherwise that sounds like it's breaking down all their confidence with the right. way they think. It's like, you know, I'm just gonna tell you what to do. You're gonna listen like they have to you know it's really important to be I think it's really important to be like sort of ignorant confidence mm. in one aspect of the mm. game. Do it for a long time fuck up and they'd be like okay now right. <laughs> give me some goddamn advice but, but do you think that applies to a beginner no it doesn't right. at all no yeah and so yeah like the 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 thing that i wanted to get across here is that it's kind of explaining why the game's fun at the beginning and why we have more success at the beginning and, and the end it's it's i feel like it's that openness it's that it's that um yeah, it's that 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 childlike mentality we have, and we have no expectations. It's just complete, yeah, you know, just open to everything and anything. I love that, and that, you know, this is so. I'm visualizing the shed, Curtis, that mm. we talked about at the beginning, mm. right here. In my shed right now, I have a picture of like three-year-old Nathan. You know, that's like the, mm. that's like it's not really a tool, mm. it's just a picture there. It's like a reminder. It's yeah, a reminder. be a reminder, yeah. dude. You just, Dude, you got to be like a little kid in League of yeah. Legends, man. Just be obsessed with finding out new information. I had my first excited. boxing class. I went to a boxing class this week and I know nothing about boxing. Like I'm a complete and utter noob. You said you were getting laughed at by yeah, the trainer. Yeah, the, the trainer there was like laughing at me and then she was like, she was like so shocked because I think I was so open about it as well. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah. Because like, people were like, this is like, yeah. I don't know how to fight, dude. I'm a man. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what she was used to. Yeah. She was actually probably used to. Huge egos. Because now I'm thinking about it in hindsight. Why was she so shocked? She, I'm sure she's had beginners before, but why was she so... She was laughing as well because yeah. I was so just open. It's I was like, hilarious I don't though. care. Like, just show me what I need to do, right? It's probably because she thought as well because, you, you know, your physique and stuff. Right. <laughs> like, this guy's... Yeah, I probably know what I'm doing, but I said... <laughs> and I said... You're like, I'm, a, you're like a, what do they call it? A, uh, <laughs> nothing. Like a... A friendly giant or whatever, you know, <laughs> like a like a teddy bear. Because well, I was like punching this bo- this bag, and I was like punching it pretty hard. Yeah. But I have zero technique, yeah. like no full, I have no nothing, no technique. And then she and then she was like laughing, she was trying to help me. I'm like, I think she was shocked at my openness. Though she's like, and I was just listening. She was like, okay, I want you to do this. I was never questioning anything. anything. Just like, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I was asking like high quality questions, like why? Okay, why do I need to do that? And I think she was like refreshed because it's like. I was just vulnerable. I just don't give a shit. I don't, whether she thought I was I look like an idiot or you clearly, I was never embarrassed. I, I mean, was not embarrassed. So I think what she would have really liked and she thought was funny is like, you're only thinking about how can I just get better? That's it. That's and all I'm, I was I'm using about. her to figure out how to do it. I'm yes. not there to defend it. I don't care about getting judged by not, her at all. There was other people watching me. I, I couldn't give it absolute uh, shit. All I care about is how can I punch more effectively? Yep. What do I need to do here? To, that's, what's the proper technique? That's such an important mindset, Curtis. Honestly, that mindset sounds easy. I mean, I struggle with this sometimes as well, right? Like, you know, let, let's say if I was, I was getting, um, like Charles tries to coach me on form sometimes, right? For yeah. the gym. And <laughs> I'm like, dude, like I know what I'm doing. Dude. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it just feels good. So, you know what I mean? So um, it's, yeah. But the reason I brought that up is because it's refreshing being on the other side because we teach yeah, so much. Is, being is. a student of something mm. is so interesting. Mm. It's such an interesting dynamic. It is. Being taught something that you know nothing about. Like, it's just like a, it, it's, it's such a really, I just really thought, okay, how can I be a good student as well? Like, what would a good student look like in this? I just did it intuitively though. And I think I've just picked up on that during my time in the MLA. Like, what would I want my student to, to act and how would I want them to act? It's probably that and a bit of both again. You just want to get better at this. Yeah, I just want to get better. I don't want to, I don't, I want to be efficient with my time here. If I'm yeah. going to spend 45 minutes doing this, 
what's the most value I can get out of this 45 minutes? I'm not going to sit there and try to pretend I know what I'm doing. And Defending then your ego time. that you're like a, you know, you're a 26 year old mate. You don't know how to punch a bouncing bag. Like that's, that's not very useful, is it? And I think she actually tried to like, it was interesting because she, she said things like, I think she tried to like um, elicit, she, she wanted me to, I think she tried to defend my ego a little bit. She, I think to make me feel less um, embarrassed, but I was like- You didn't care. It's like, I just keep, didn't keep, give keep giving shit. it to me. And then- <laughs> Keep telling me everything I fucking want. I did something that you would do. What? Um, Here we go. I was like taking ages. I didn't know how to do the gloves properly. Yeah. And I, I was, and I was an idiot. I didn't know how to like wrap it up. And then- I was like ruining the tempo of the class because like it's all about you have to wait like because you all do it together. I uh, got it. And then I'm like, just everyone's waiting for me, right? Mm. And then I go up to her in the middle of the thing, like, "Can you help me put my gloves on?" <laughs> <laughs> right? And then and then she's like, "All right." Um, she's like shocked, like, "Hurry up, hurry up!" And like, you know, you're gonna and I, now you have to do ten burpees. I'm like, "Sorry, I'm just ruining the class to everyone." But I was like doing it in a funny way, like. Yep, I'm just ruining the class for everyone. Sorry, guys. Like, I just, <laughs> that's like what it's you the reality, say, man. you know? It's just the reality, dude. <laughs> but I'm making fun of the situation. That's fantastic. I, did, I thought that was like something you would do. I feel like. Probably. It's like your response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, it was just a refreshing experience um, I found. That was quite cool. Um, okay. Sorry to steal the show. Last thing here before we move on to your topics. Yep. I had a client that. Um, he was not getting results. He's a master. He's stuck. I'm not going to say his name. Um, Another one that potentially is going to a graveyard wall. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. And I just knew that something was off with his relationship with the game. And I keep trying to bring it out of him. Like I, every session, I'm like... So Ugh. what was the feeling? Is it the way he talked about the game? His gameplay? How did you find that? His yeah, it was a combination of everything. There's some, there was some da- there's red flags with the way he was talking. Um, and then we, we, we got it. He plays Vlad. We get into the review. And I said, because I said, just show me what your losses look like. No BS. Just show me a classic mm. loss, right? Mm. And he gets himself into a really good position as Vlad. And he just does the dumbest compensation play. Like, just com- it's the worst. He's like, I think he's like five and oh as Vlad. Like, 10 CS per minute. Like, it's a 1v9 flat angle. Like, he can easily carry the game. And then he teams overstays. And what was super interesting, you could tell he knew that the play was bad because he starts walking away. And then he turns back around and goes and flashes in and, and throws a 700-goal shot. That It was, like, the most disgraceful play, right? And I was really thinking about this. And, and we got to the end of it. I'm like, okay. You know, this is the, not a stage one, stage two, or stage three. This is pure stage four. If he actually didn't know that that was the wrong play to do, that is that means it's a stage two or stage three problem. It's an in-game problem. But, but the fact that he knew, he, he knew it was not the right play. He knew it was a compensation play, right? So why he is he doing that? He said, fuck it. Yes, yes. You can tell there was resistance there. He knew what the right play was, but there was something that was pulling him back that he couldn't trust his instincts to say no, right? And so we get to the end of the session, right? And I'm like, okay, man, I'm not satisfied with giving you a normal learning objective and setting you off on your ways to get, you know, stuck at, you know, your 100 LP and master for another few weeks. We're not doing this anymore. It's not a gameplay issue. And we get into it. And I said, look, um, you need to do some reflecting here. I'm not going to set your learning. I want you to DM me. I mean, I want you to literally turn off YouTube, everything, go for a walk, come back to me with thoughts, right? <clears throat> Comes back to me with this message. And he goes deep. He says, Coach, you're spot on. 
um, about where these conversations and where these mistakes come from. And a lot of it was that he fundamentally believed that um, he like didn't really like he didn't feel like he was good enough to be in the games and that he, he fundamentally trusted other people's opinions more. The other thing, he has three things. So that was one. There was another one where he said um, he's actually really insecure about his play. So he, in his mind, he always has to completely gap his opponent and go for really coin flip plays because he he like wants the satisfaction of dominating the opponent to make himself feel good about himself. And he wants the other, he wants to dominate that guy so much that that like, you know, that guy messages him and praises so him. So he's got to go for the big wins rather than the small calculate, like little, like, little advantage. Like here, little he will advantage have to go here, for that dive here. rather than just taking the small wins yeah. and like just taking the safe play, mm-hmm. right? He has to go for like the dive and blow flash and try and 1v2 outplay, right? Because it comes from insecurity, it came from insecurity. And the interesting last one was he felt as though if he didn't win, it was a waste of time. Oh, God. If he didn't win the game, he was literally wasting his time. How interesting is that? And it just goes to show there are probably many people out there that if they think that if they queue up and they do a three block and they don't win or they don't win a game, they've simply wasted their time. You know where this comes from? An in a, 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 a fundamental belief that they don't know how to improve. And that's where it came from. He was stuck at 100 LP, around 100 LP masters for about a year now. He hasn't gone anywhere. And why? Because he wasn't able to be vulnerable and express himself and say, fuck what anyone else thinks of me. I'm going to do what I think is the best play. And I don't need I don't need anyone to tell me how good I am. I don't need anyone else's praise. I don't need to justify to other people that I'm worthy of being in these games. So what was happening? He was playing suboptimally, subconsciously for a year. That's why he never, he never faced his plateaus. He never was honest with himself and been like, he wasn't able to be vulnerable. He wasn't able to say, fuck everyone. I'm just going to do what I think is best. Because if he did that, he would climb. I mm. guarantee you. Mm. So he pissed away a year, right? Now is a year in. Now you're, you're in a fucking deep hole because now you haven't improved for a year. Now there's two things going on. You still got those stage four problems on top of now not believing that you can improve because you've been stuck at the same rank for a year. I'm like, okay, well, no shit is not an in-game problem. You've got a terrible relationship with the game. And, and I just basically went on to talk to him about the importance of um, the gratefulness. This Every game is an opportunity for you to express yourself on the rift. No one else is going to play Vlad like you. You need to be looking forward to getting onto the rift and having fun, being curious and expressing who you are. Fuck what anyone else thinks about you and how you play. Who gives a shit? And this is what I said to him. I said, I guarantee you, if someone added you after the game and said, dude, you actually just gapped me. You dominated me. Um, I said, I guarantee you, you'll feel good for five seconds and you'll, it'll, it'll be gone. You know why? Because there's always someone better. There's someone else better. Even if you beat that guy, there's another guy that's better than you. There's another guy above you. It's the same thing with money. You make money. You make your first 100,000. There's someone that makes 120,000. There's someone you get, your, you get to 120,000. There's someone that makes 150,000. You play that game. It's a talk. That's a bad. You always lose. You always lose. You're always below someone else. There's always someone better than you. So it's that feeling. It's like he sees that message. He's like, I'm just the best. And then he, and then later, he's like, oh, wait, actually, there's a lot of people better than me. And then he's confident. Yeah, because now you're comparing yourself. You're constantly comparing yeah. yourself to other people. Rather than this is me. This is my canvas. Yes. And you know what happened? This is the last funny thing. The person that he versed that game or like a game before another game literally added him and he got into conversation. The guy literally said, you, you gapped me and you played really well. 
and he said courtesy you were spot on i felt good for five seconds and then i proceeded to feel shit wow it's a great story and this is why people especially in master they don't get better Hmm. this is exactly one of the biggest reasons why people don't get better in master they 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 get to master their own way they and they 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 kind of like they develop this ego and then they become they they try to win the ego battle i gotta get better than someone else i want someone to praise me and tell me how good i am i I mean the good or i'm shit yeah it's good or i'm shit it's just this absolute toxic mentality Mm. and it eventually turns into if i'm not winning it's just a waste of time because i can't improve anyway <laughs> it's crazy. Again, the problem with that as well, because they're tying winning as improvement as well. That's just tied together. And his, com- his identity as an individual, his self confidence is completely and utterly tied of course. to his performance in league. Yeah. Is, there is no difference. It's, it's he, his performance on the rift is him because he's, he attaches his entire gameplay to his ego and to his self confidence. If he performs poorly on the rift, he's a sack of shit. Yeah, that's uh, definitely, I'd say for high elo players, that's very common. You know, I mean, you know, we've done it before as well. We we used to do that a lot, tie identity to yeah. our gameplay. I mean, I still have, I still have, I've had a pretty bad week of solo queue and definitely it's somewhat affected my confidence for sure. You know, in terms that's of like, good. no, it's not good at all. You know, but then, then that's where you just dive in the toolkit and you say, the things, yeah. okay, well, you know, it makes sense. I'm going back to this. I've got to focus on these things. I've got to start putting my attention. Then the confidence starts to build back. That's again, because, you know, I built this toolkit. I, I, I truly believe though, and this is why I'm, I'm really inspired by Kenny Werner and that book, Effortless Mastery. He goes really deep on all this stuff. Being grateful to just express who you are on the rift. I feel like it's the... I feel like it's the end game of toolkits. Like, you know how we have the tool shed? There's like this one fuck off chainsaw in the back of the, the room that's just like, that's the holy grail, you know? It's like, like, this is it. Like, it's like- Or all in one still, tool, this can do everything. <laughs> you still have like the box, you know? And it's like in good condition. You put it in the, you know, you know, you know when you have like something, oh, what was it? Like, I, I remember I used to have a laptop, right? And you know how like there was like the thing to like that covered the screen, like when you fold it and you had the screen when oh, I got a new laptop. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, yeah. you know, you know when you like always <laughs> want to keep it in prime condition? Yeah. That's what that, this yeah. thing, that toolkit is. You well, just this, want to keep it in good condition. Well, this tool is, I feel like it, it, it overrides everything. Like, I feel like if you can truly, I mean, I'm still working on this. I'm, I'm, it's working for me incredibly well. Um, and I feel like if I can tr- like continue working on this and keep really internalizing this, I don't think there is a need for any other toolkit because you never dig yourself a hole. There is no hole to exist because you're always permanently just expressing your best self and and you're, you're just there's you're, no hole you're, to, you're, you're just walking around it. Yeah, no, you're, you're just, just chilling and and you're just able to see things for what it is and you're not really attached to anything. Um, at least for me, it's given me insane clarity. Mm. And like, like I had a game yesterday, right, where I um I played Victor into Yone and and I just like made a really I just I just approached the lane wrong. I'm like, okay, yep, I approached the lane wrong. I know what to do next time. Okay, move on. L- zero like ba- mental baggage. It's like, oh, that makes sense. I know what to do next time. Go into the next game, play well, boom. That's 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 the, the goal where you need to get to. That's like fantastic. That, you know how rare that is it's being on my journey. Yeah. Like like for the like you know how hard that is to do. It's very like difficult. you get annihilated in, in in a thirty-five minute game 
and you just boil it down to like you just look at it. Yep, this makes perfect sense. Yep, okay, move on. You know how hard that they how, I can count on one hand how many times I've been able to do that. Like I would have to fucking walk around the walk around the house and get some fresh air and get some water. I'd have to do these all this stuff. I don't have to do I don't even have to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't even have to leave my seat. It, like, it overrides everything else. Because all those other toolkits are in reality a band-aid. Those the walking around and getting water and doing the fresh air and all this crap. It's actually a band-aid. It's a band-aid. It shouldn't you don't have to feel like that, in my opinion. And this is again, this is my my opinion. I, I'm sure this is I'm, some things that you're experimenting. It's yes, working for I'm you. I'm experimenting with this and it's working for me very well. That's why I'm excited about it. So I might, who knows, in two months it might be the might be a joke and then we'll come back. You know? So uh, <laughs> I'm always keeping an open mind. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. I'm just trying, you know, we're, we're, we're scientists of the rift, we right? Are. We're trying to- we're chipping away. Chipping away and finding shit. We've got our little potions, things are blowing up here and there, things are working, this but is this good. But is, this, is, this is, we're on the right track here. I feel like we're on the money here. We injected this mice with like <laughs> cancer cells or something and it's like suddenly healing. Okay, And then yeah. we had a lot of ones that have died. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at nathan so um yes do you have any anything that you would like to talk about nathan uh, before sure, i steal the show i uh, sure do curtis i would love to have my input okay. on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh the it's really funny that you talked about compensation because i wanted to break down and get two definitions of what is compensation mm-hmm. and what is adaption yep very simple Okay, it's simple. Yep, it's a one sentence answer. Okay, wait, can I do mine first? Because it sounds like you've worked it out because I'm actually yep. not tired of okay. So let me do this. Is what I, this is how I defined it. Um, so I'm just trying to think about me and my gameplay. This is how I, this is how I differentiate the two. Adaption is foresight, thinking about and reacting to plays that you are aware might happen in the moment. You're sort of prepared for it more so. And compensation is getting taken off guard by something, um, getting surprised, obviously committing to the play, and you're also not prepared for it. I feel like you just overcomplicated it massively. I think, really simply, what I believe compensation to be is, compensation is you're actively making a decision that you know is incorrect. That's it. You're actively saying yes to a play that you know will not work. That is compensation. Adaptation is everything else. If you don't know that the play doesn't work, then it's adaptation. Compensation. Okay, let's give an example, right? Let's say, let's say my, let's say my entire team, oh no, sorry, let's say my jungle invades. I've got zero mana and I'm low and I need to reset. And I know for a fact that if I go to that play, I will die. Compensation. Even if you don't know for a fact right there, you got a feeling, right? You'd have a feeling as well? I guess a feeling. You either okay. know it or you don't know it. And yeah. we'll get to that after. Okay. So I know that the play won't work. Compensation is I know it won't work, but I'm going to do it anyway because I feel pressured via, via external sources. I'm worried this guy's going to flame me. I'm, I, I'm worried this, this guy might know, this guy, um, he might tilt if I don't go. It's just all this other BS. Like it's like, it's stuff that, you're like, I'm going to do it anyway because I feel pressured to do so. Adaptation is, okay, an example of adaptation in that exact scenario is, oh, actually, I don't know if this could work. I actually, it could I could actually work and I'm just going to go and protect myself at all times and then and back him up. 
They're very different, though. Okay, this is really interesting because the way that I view... So, so compensation would be... So, let's use my definitions Mm. for that situation, Mm. right? So, compensation is... So, again, I view it more as like you're taken by surprise. So, like you're sort of like reactive rather than like being proactive. So, what's happening right there in that moment is that um, it's taking you off guard. You're like, oh, shit. You're using your subconscious mind where it's like, in general, I need to be going to plays, Right? You're not really thinking about it because you're getting t- taken off by guard. And when you're taken off by guard, what happens? You, you follow your instincts more so, right? And then adaption in that situation is, okay, this has happened to me before. I'm, I'm aware that my jungler is going to die here. I, I'm already thinking right now, okay, if I reset, I know I can I can get a really good temper. I can go dive bot or something like that. I don't resonate with that. You don't resonate no. with that? Because compensation, the, the whole reason we use the word compensation is to explain behavior where someone is actively saying yes to a play that they shouldn't go to, that they know that they know doesn't but, uh, work. Don't you find as well in your reviews, like the, I call them compensation ganks, right? Where they they know that it's not a gank, but then the next Wait, problem show there me, is that- Give me an exact exam- example of compensation in your mind. Give me one example of what you believe to be compensation. All right, well, the common one that would be, would be um, Lena spamping in. Uh, for a gank, for a jungler, and the jungler knows that it's impossible to work. They they wouldn't know. They they would see it as like it could work, but it's probably not going to work. Compensation is simply you're allowing someone else to influence you psychologically into thinking that a bad play is a good play. That's literally it. Because okay, so then what you're talking about then, like it, it, let's say let's say um. Okay, so let's talk about a gank, right? Let's say Elena, let's say a jungler pans his camera mid, originally thinks that it wouldn't work. And then and then kind of goes on his way, does a jungle camp, and then the, the, the mid laner spam pings. The jungler then pans his camera and, and he has that thought, oh, this actually could work. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Compensation is already completely out of the question because you don't know what the right play is. You can't, compensation is not even a part of the question. Got it. So that's like, a, I'm doing a step. You, now you're saying bridging the knowledge of like, do they know it or yes, not? Yes, you either know it or you don't. Then okay. there's something they're missing. They yeah. either don't know how to read the way state. They don't yeah. understand how those champions work. Yeah. They're not looking at the resources. They haven't tracked the enemy jungler. They don't know if they could be there or not. Like there's something there that they don't know. A, a compensation in that case, that example, is that they know 100% that the jungle is going to be there in counter gank and ganking would be an instant double kill they lose. Okay, so and they go for it anyway yeah. because they're scared. They get influenced by the pings and they're scared that the, the mid is going to AFK or that guy's going to tilt or rage at him. It's being rational versus being irrational. Yeah, rational versus irrational. Yes. Yeah, that's a better way of framing it. That's what I believe. That's my definition of compensation. I think what you're conflating is, or you're in, uh, maybe not conflating, this is just your different definition, is varying degrees of how good someone is at adapting to a play, how fast they are processing information. Because I'd say tied to in terms of as well, confidence in that there's other avenues to win a game rather than go into that situation. Yeah, I think I think confidence and being clear about what you need to do helps. It definitely helps in saying no to plays. It gives you the ability to say no a little bit easier. Um, yeah, the clearer you are knowing what you want. Well, again, framing that back into my, into my, um, definition is if you know exactly what you want, that means you know exactly what you don't want, right? 
like it's very clear what you don't want. So if you know exactly what you don't want and you know what does and doesn't work, a, a, a play will be very clear to you. So the chances you're going to compensate is a lot less because you know immediately no BS that this is not going to work. Like you're, you're a lot clearer on what you do and don't want. So, so comp- the reason compensation is so deadly, and this is why compensation is so bad. Because people way. throw this word out. And I think now I'm starting to think it's- It's overused. People, people use it wrong definition. They use it wrong. I have a whole say, video on compensation on my YouTube. Okay. That I go deep on it. I talk about yeah. the different types of compensation. Okay. There's many different types of this. I go have a legit full video on it. Uh, it's called, I think it's called like the most toxic habit or some shit. Uh, I can't remember. This is a recent video? No, it was a while ago. It was like okay. a year ago. Oh, wow. It's a really good video actually. But the, so the reason compensation fundamentally is, is actually a term and why it's so bad, why it's actually so toxic is because you don't know, you're, you actually never have the learning. Because like, okay, so like if, if I'm that mid laner and I know 100% that that play won't work, but I do it anyway, there is no learning to be had. There's, yeah, there's no, Because I already know that the play wouldn't yeah, work. That's right. So you get out of the game like, oh, no shit, I already knew that wouldn't work. Yeah. But there's no learning to be had. Yeah. So that's why it's so useless. That's yeah. why it's such a bad thing to have. You're actually just stunting your learning completely. In general as well, you're going to make more compensation plays when you've lost confidence in your gameplay as well, right? Yeah, or when you... Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. You're probably more prone to compensation because psychologically you're weakened. Yeah. You're, you're psychologically weakened. Yeah, I would agree with that. But most of the time, dude, I would say majority of the time, it's just poor adaptation. They genuinely don't know how to read a situation. Like, it's like, oh, this could or maybe not work. Then that you can't really say that's compensation. Like, they just don't know how to read the situation. Yeah. That's just a typical, that's a, maybe just a tough call. It's like, oh, all right. And in those situations, what I'll say is like, okay, go, but protect yourself at all times. And that, that's just adaptation in general. There's no compensation there. Um, so that's, that's a, I think, because like, I think the way you frame it's so confusing. I don't, I don't, it doesn't resonate with me. It's like, everything's compensation then. Because it's like, oh, that play might not work, but I'm going to, it could or might not. Then, then typically every, every skirmish is a compensation. <laughs> like, no, the way that I said it was compensation is unexpected things. That you're gonna you're to go to, and then adaption is you're expe- you you you're more expecting it, and you have foresight. Yeah, I don't know because in my mind, adaptation is also unexpected. No, it's not. I don't think it really is, Curtis. Think about when you're adapting in a game, right? Because you have so much experience, you play so many games, you've seen so many situations, right? So, like, let's say for example, I I'm 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 going towards bot. Bot's like my you know win condition. And then I see, like, I want to do a camp and I see a wave state that, like, you know, there's not really any reason for them to to fight in the wave, but they do it anyway. Like, that's something that's in my, th- I'm, I'm ready to adapt to that situation mm. because I've, I know that that could happen. Okay. Right? So, that's prepared. But converse- conversation, then what will happen there is that person will finish the camp and then go there anyway, even though the situation is now lost. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's, that's not how I use that word. So, it just doesn't resonate with me. Okay. So, we just had different definitions, yeah. I think. I mean, I get your definition. Yeah. That's my, yeah, that's just my definition. Because every, I think I, I just compartmentalize everything else you just said under the umbrella of adaptation. Okay. Yeah. But I'll see if I can dig that video up. It's a very, very good video. I go very deep on it and the how why it's really bad. I get, I use a lot of examples of it. I mean, you thought that it was literally that big of a problem that you had to make an entire yes, video on it. Because it stunts growth yeah, completely. Yeah, it's very important. It's like one of the worst things you can do. Um. I want to talk about pink wards, control wards. Okay. I love control wards. Yeah, let's get into this. Control wards are my favorite thing in League of Legends. Okay. Go on, Curse. I could talk about control so wards. I'm going to play time. devil's advocate here. Okay. 
I think they're massively overrated. Oh my God. And they're a waste of gold. Yep. It's so funny. There was a, someone in my MLAs, there was a quote from a streamer and it was like, control words don't do damage. <laughs> I like that. That's good though. And I like, like that as well. As a mid laner, I'm talking from a mid laner's yeah. perspective here. Like, I just don't buy control words anymore. I buy like one a game. Really? I, I looked at a lot of my games, like max two, but mostly that's even playing utility champs. I'm not even playing hard carries. And the reason why, I don't want to delay my mythic. Yeah, no, I don't want to delay you my items. A, a mid laner that gets a Ludens, if I if, if I bought three control words, pre, that's what, three control words? Yeah. It's a lot of gold. Okay, it's actually really interesting. This is from a jungler's perspective. Mm. I don't really need my laners to buy control wards. Mm. Like, like the amount of impact I can have with one control ward is significant right. in a solo queue game, right? Like, I, 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 I've never been like, I've, this is actually interesting. I mm. mean, I'm a full control setup objective. Mm. I've never, ever said to myself, ah, oh, damn, I wish my, 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 my AD thing. carry, my mid laner or top laner had a control in the situation. Uh, some support, you mm. know, obviously would be, uh, yeah. I actively check my support's wards and, right. and control wards because it's very important. Me playing around their resets for wards and stuff like that. But I've never said that once. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Mm. That just means, that just says to me that yeah. I don't really need them to. I feel like it's overkill a lot of the time. I think so, and, it and, is. And like, look, I think there are niche situations where they're good. Like, I feel like when you're versing Eves and stuff, I think yep. they're quite nice. And I also think that when you're playing like a Rome champ and like you want to have access to like Romes, it can be good. But even then, it's like you're sweeping anyway. So it's not a big deal. Like, I've just found myself intuitively buying it less. And it just, it was at the same time, few people in the MLA had the same finding. Well, it's like, I just don't want to delay my mythic. Yeah, I don't want to delay so, my lost chapter. So, I don't so want to delay any of my items. I'm fascinated with this. So let's go back. Where did the narrative to buy control wards it's come from? A, it's just a it's just a long I think what it is. Where did it come from? It's is a it from long competitive. Yeah, it's a long standing you know, like there's those old school coaching techniques that have been around for like since season three. And one of those buzzwords is like you gotta have control wards in your inventory off every recall. It's like it's like one of those things. It's like an old myth that's kind of been passed down the generations. Yeah, it's an easy piece of advice to give to sound smart, but it's actually incorrect. Yeah, and, and there's You shouldn't also- be buying a control wood every single time you go back to base. It's terrible, yeah. actually. I mean, a lot of the control, a lot of the junglers, the Soul 2 clients that I work, their control wood usage is just really bad anyway, just giving free gold. Like, yeah. like, they, like for example, they'll control ward the, the dot brush in the river when the mid laner's recalled. So they control ward mm. the mid laner recalls and they can't defend it. Mm. The rule of thumb that I always follow, you don't place control wards and you can't defend. Yes, that's a very that's a very good advice. The other thing as well is that even for junglers as well, I don't want you to buy, I don't buy two control wards. Mm. I, the that's only, terrible. I yeah. only buy two control wards um, when it's like a key, like third dragon fight, Baron, Baron, yeah, fourth dragon but fight. Pinks are important around Baron. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, late, one late, con- late game, a good one, one control ward placement just around mid or one area of the map or the place you're strong side in is in- unbelievable pressure. Yeah. Just one, dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. And you got to get items because I always say sometimes I come people come into assaults and they buy two controls. I'm like, dude, you're gonna be the poorest. Yeah. Dude, you're gonna be so useless, dude. Like, yeah, it would be like a diner or something. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Why you gonna have What's no more, Yeah, and and and, and of what I've realized is how important is this getting to like, like just lost chapter socks or just like your oh, from, absolutely. It's just massive. Absolutely. Like, do, I want my and if I buy two or three control wards, that can be the difference between getting on one base or another. Like, dude, think about it. It adds up, man. It's adds like up. That three controls is 225 gold. It's a lot of gold. Is it often um, when you reset 
you know, being a hundred gold off because that's the really awkward part. Being a hundred gold because you don't really want to stay for the next yeah, wave. Yeah, ev- every hundred gold is, is genuinely massive, important. absolutely, like, genuinely, and it actually makes a very big difference. Like if you have like nine CS per minute or seven, like it's very every like one extra CS per minute is incredibly impactful. Like you feel like a different champion actually. Um, so yeah, it's just like a little tidbit. Another t- another thing I'd love to get your thoughts on Rift Heralds. I'm I actually love you. Like, you're the master of macro oh, now. You call I yourself am. the king of macro. You're, the king of macro. You're, you're kicking niece out of his seat. <laughs> <laughs> He's throne king of macro. I have pretty much. So you solved. You solved, solved Rift every thing. best Rift Herald decision. Okay, in I, certain I need to. I need to dig dig your brain here. But no, but junglers are horrendous with Herald usage, dude. Okay, I just want to know what optimal is though, regardless okay. whether or not it's in my control. Okay. Like, I just want to know what is optimal because okay. I genuinely don't know. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to ask a few questions. Let's break these down. Well, narrative. These are preconceptions. Things that I'm confused about. Yeah. So let's... Okay. I think we're going to have to get specific. Dude, I could... Because it's all based on champs, right? Yes, it's very based on champs. Very based on champs. Okay. Um, I feel as though rifting mid is not that good. Not as good as I thought it was. It's good sometimes. So it's good when you're versing a champ that's really hard to break mid. Like like a like and high wave clear champs. Xerath, yes. Ziggs, Lux, etc. Lux. Mal's yes. even. There's champs that have a lot of wave clear. Yep. Is that that's correct so far? Uh again, I would still wait. It still depends on how well my side lane okay, is doing. So let's just put a pin in that then. Yep. Rifting bot when your bot lane is winning is really good yes. because they get on the map faster. Yep. What's the reasoning behind that? All right. Well, a couple of reasons. So AD carries getting gold is great. Yep. Um, Next thing here, it, it's sort of like transitions the whole map. So especially for champs like Caitlyn and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I mean, Kat, this is the most, let's say the most basic one. You break bot with Caitlyn. Like um, K-Karma, 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 they get on the map and then you have con- complete control of the map for the rest of the okay. game. Because like, then you're just getting every play okay. for everything Before else. Before we move on from the K, so let's say you yeah. have K-Karma. Yeah. Where do they go? They go... It depends what your mid laner wants yeah, to do. Yeah, so this is this. Right? So, it's spicy here. So, like, so... Because I think King so, season 7, season 8, Nathan, what was King doing? Why was he rank one? I have no idea. Break bot. And then break top. Go top, top. break top. Yeah, that's how it used to be. breaking top is so much easier than it is to break mid. I feel as though swapping mid is actually, it's actually become like the quote unquote meta. I think it's actually BS. Even as a mage, like even if like I'm thinking about it, a lot of mages can just sit mid or even any champ, even assassins, like a talent, they can just sit mid. Okay, sure. Talon's way weaker mid than a side, but- if your Kate Karma goes top instead, that talent has roam windows and dive opportunities topside anyway. Yeah. So my my okay, Curtis, you're actually missing a part of this. Okay, yeah. Well, the part that you're missing here is like, so let's say let's say I have a Caitlyn Karma um, uh, bot, mm. and let's say I have like a Cassidan or a Silas mid, right? Okay. A Cassidan and a Silas mid, them going straight into a Silas really early on that is, is actually true. good. It's very nice. And then what you're essentially doing there is that you're creating a pressure point. They're getting free farm the whole time, and mm. you can actually use that to your advantage. So you're, it's like that, then it's a question of it, where it, you want the resources. It, move, it moves away from the Caitlyn Karma more right. towards so the Silas. You've kind of set up the Caitlyn Karma already. They're all good. They're in mid yeah. doing their thing, and then then the game swaps more to the Cassidan and Silas, and you're yeah. playing around the Cassidan and Silas. Yep. Let's say I've got like a, a wave clear. Say so you got a Victor. 
a victor, then I would love them to, to stay. No, the victor stays mid. Yep. And yeah, then sorry. my, and then and then my bot lane will go top. go top. And then we're just going to be getting, you know, control and all sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay, what Charles, Charles, educate us. If you saw your bot lane top, yeah. what options do the opponent have with their bot lane? The yeah, they can go mid. Match or, the, or no, or they can just stay bot. Yeah, but you're but but they're stronger, so it doesn't matter, right? It's very. It doesn't really matter that much. So what Charles said, if the audience in here was saying That's we missed something, he said that basically if you swap your AD carry and support top, the enemy AD carry and support can still stay bot, and then your top laner has to one v two bot, and then it's a split map scenario. Yeah, and the losing team always benefits. The and the losing team yeah gets benefit because then they're getting gold when they shouldn't be getting gold. Yeah. The trading gold head, from behind is not when you're ahead. Good. You always want to match. You That's don't right. Want to trade. That's why I'm competitive. But. But there's also neutral objectives. Like, what if the herald's up and you swap top and herald? Yeah, the, it depends on the herald or the dragon. I feel like drags don't give. I, and this is another question. We'll talk, let's just leave drags for now because that's another complication that I don't really understand drags that well. But I feel like drags are just overrated in solo queue. Like, if you can, if you can like break bot and you can swap, like, fuck drags. Like, you don't need them, in my opinion. Like, that's my feel of the game. Um. Anyway, let's stay on this track here. So, so there is. So, so you need to think about. The, the mid laner and that's going to dictate whether or not you go top or, or they swap top or mid okay okay what are some like other champions like like what happens if you have like a okay so this is another one twitch now twitch is very interesting breaking mid versus twitch is actually insanely good when you have a twitch on your team because even if you don't break mid like break bot them having that long lane yeah, and you've got a Twitch on the team is very That's good. True. So there's another caveat. About, I never thought about that one. I've never actually seen that one. Um, so like, I mean, there's, there's a lot I'm of times so in terms of in games as well, because I don't have just the luxury to just break mid tower with the Twitch. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. That's... What happens if your bot's even and your top's winning? Where do you rift? All right. So it depends how hard top is winning. So um, if top is winning really hard, mm. my general rule of thumb is to never rift top because you can just keep diving. You're going to get it anyway. You want to keep the tower up as long as possible to keep diving. Ah. Because it's so hard for the jungler to get to top. Like it's, it's a huge investment, right? Um, you, you break, so the, when I have hard winning, let's say I have Fiora into Orn or something like that. Mm. I want to just keep the, like, I, let's say I've been playing towards it. Like Orn's down like 40. So he's so, he's, so, he's not he's actually tanking. The he, I can just keep diving him, keep pushing him off waves. And then we break that top naturally. And then I'll be even saving him from middle bot. Okay. Um, I have a video on this, by the way. Rift Herald, uh, how to use Rift Herald. How to, how to use Rift Herald, YouTube? Nathan Mott. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay. It's called Rift Herald Theory. Um, and then, so your next question is about around, yeah. And then it, let's say bots. Let's say, but let's say tops more even well, the, though. The, the let's say it's like a Jax versus Aurelia. Okay. So let's say it's more even Jax yeah. versus Aurelia. And you've got like the Aurelia that's maybe a little bit ahead. And like, my bot lane's even. Yeah. Okay. Let's say I have an even scaling bot lane. Mm. <clears throat> I don't really want to, I'm happy to not really give more volatility to that. Just leave them. If they're going even and they're scaling, mm. Just leave them, and then I'll be looking to impact the volatile matchup. Aurelia Jackson looked into break top to break the tower. So, what are you looking for? What's the main thing you're looking for there? Well, I guess what I'm looking for there is I'm trying to think. Well, who can use the gold the most? Yeah, who can use the gold? Who actually needs the gold? And what's the? Well, I also think about what's the enemy team's win condition actually also there. So, mm. if I if I suddenly leave my jacks, right, and then there, and my bot lanes now. Sorry, so then he yeah. dies, and, and then that, yeah. my bot lane's scaling anyway. They're all good anyway. Yeah, you don't need it. You know what right, I mean? right, right. 
So in what? So okay, and then um. Okay, okay, that kind of makes sense. So thinking about the enemy team's win condition is actually really important in terms of where you want to be as a map because because there, there's certain states as well where like the game's just won if you just deny it. the enemy team only has one win condition. And you just okay, so but then there's certain situations where that win condition is actually out of control. You just have to play. So that an example outside. I had today, which I wasn't sure of. Yeah, uh, my the Aurelia I had a coaching in Aurelia mid, and the Aurelia was really strong. Got Borg, I think he's like three o four and or whatever, and they had Rift, and I think they end up using Rift to break mid versus Azir, and I said. I think it actually would have been better to break bot, get you in the side lane earlier. Like yeah. And then, because you don't, you're going to, you can dominate this Azir anyway. The Azir's already behind. Um, once you get in the side, they can't play the game the anyway. The general rule of thumb is that, yeah, if, if the laner likes stalemate, because they're going to slowly keep building small advantage, small advantage, small advantage, it's ideal to not break in the tower. Because the moment you break the tower, mm. now suddenly you're in this awkward situation where you're going to be push, and then the, the they just get you know the free... F- Even mm. though people say it's like... Well, you can you, translate that pressure to you, size, you right? Can, yeah, but not necessarily, though. Because like... You know, you know, especially at that sort of that stage of the game, mid laners can wave clear pretty quick. They can actually follow up Sometimes. all the time. Sometimes, right? But uh, you know what? More often than not, I see g- games get thrown more so because people think they have infinite move, right? They push the way, but the dive takes a while mm. to sort of set up. Yeah, and, yeah, then, calm, and then man. they come and they have a perfect position and then kill us yeah. all, right? So, I, I, again, I'm, you know, I think we definitely needed to separate solo queue and competitive. I'm sort of... I'm sort of viewing Rift Herald more in this chaos of the solo yeah, queue. Yeah, That's too. the way I saw more, more think about it. So in that situation, though, say, you, say your bot's kind of like, let's say your bot's actually maybe a little bit behind. I think it's still better to Rift bot in that situation as an Aurelia. Yeah, I do as well. Because it, yeah. it's just so important you get to the side lane, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so that was right. So I was right in saying that. And, and uh, like, you know how you say your bot lane, like bot lane, I mean, again, it depends sort of what chance, but you can explode bot lane really easily, even if they're behind. Yeah, I agree. Just in general. Yep. Like, because there's two people, there's lots of follow-up. Let's say, let's say I have a behind, even though my Dra- I have a behind Draven mm. and a Moomoo, right? Mm. And I'm against a, a Zyra and a Jin, right? And even though they're ahead, I can explode that any moment. Let's say I'm playing Jarvan, dude. Mm. I can still go there mm. and break by and kill them. They're super easy to they're kill. salvageable. Yeah. And what about dragons? I uh, Let's say in general... I've been having more success getting dragons earlier and threatening dragons or wing condition earlier. But I feel like dragons have nothing to do with mid laners nowadays. Like, I feel like, I have, like, what do you... No, mid lane recall is really important. It's, it is a factor. Mm. But I would say that, yeah, jungle tracking is the most important factor and punishing bad resets is how you get dragons. Dragons take a lot of brain power and effort to set up. Mm. And they're risky to start if... If the map's in a neutral state, obviously it's very coin flip to start. And the last question I'll have around neutral objectives is: Do you when okay say say your say your bot is kind of like they got a little bit of push, and and then you're starting dragon, and your mid laner has push, so like bots like kind of pushing this line, maybe starting a slow build or something, and then uh, mid laner is like winning and like getting pressure. Like, do you want your mid laner to come help you do the dragon? Um, like I so, just sorry, really so bad what, sometimes. So, so what's happening mid again? Sorry, so I got a slow so, push so from yeah, bot. Your, your bot lane's and winning in slow building, and my mindset is like, okay, I can't dive bot. I want to do dragon. Yes, the slow that's push. correct. And, and your and yeah. your mid's kind of like and then my winning as well, winning like as pressure. Well. But like, like the, like you said, the ways die quick, right? So like the ways come much faster. So so 
I, I, I'm just imagining I'm like a vex. I don't. Sometimes I just want to stay mid. Like, no, dude, I want you to fucking. You want you want dragon. me to help? Yes, because it, it's just it's just a big effort. There's lots of volatility. Just get the dragon off the map. I couldn't care less about a couple of minions, dude. Just hit this thing. Yeah, just, help uh, us. Dude. Just help really. Us. Sometimes I feel like keeping them down and preventing them from roaming top is like sometimes more important. But I guess that's I can ping interesting. It. But you're just gonna have to ping it, dude. Yeah, just hit like the I dragon, just, guys. Land is just. God damn, okay, but the dragons, get it off the map, and then everyone's good no, to but go. but think about it, because then, okay. right, I, we, let's say we get the dragon, like, six seconds earlier. Yeah. But then the enemy, enemy mid has moved and goes top. Mm. Dude, it's not six seconds. Now, slow the jungle, take dragon. Yeah, no, an extra six seconds faster if I would help. Yeah. I don't know. This is, this is getting too specific then. It, but yeah, yeah I, I, again, I it would depend just, on the top, but... Yeah. but yeah, I mean, then, then the thing, again, the tricky thing for you, Curtis, is that now you're relying... You know, you, I can see where your hesitation is because you're really focusing on yourself and making sure the enemy mid has no options. Yeah. But then you're relying on the, the jungle. That's like now Dragon Souls, our win condition. Now that's what we're playing. Yeah. For. So, Jeez. so I can see where you're coming from. But like, like my this is my confidence, my mm. play. Mid laner, help me get this goddamn early six minute dragon, and we will win this game. That's yep. my mindset because yep. I'm going to be fighting dragon. I'm going to be playing around dragons properly. Yep. Yeah, if you get first, you're going to get you. If you get you, first track, you're going to stack him. But you're probably in the thing. It's like you've got that first drag, you've helped, and then for some reason you you're losing second drag because something fucks up. Yeah, you know? so that's uh, that's why you you haven't consistently won dragons getting early dragons. No, that's why I, I don't value that. dragons. Right. I always feel like it just eh. unless I've got a Shivana, of course. If I have a Shivana, then I'll do whatever it takes to. That's my such shit. a shitty criteria. Okay, so I've got a Shivana. The passive. I won. I won two games yesterday just on Shivana stacking drags. It is fantastic, but yeah, it's probably not just a <laughs> Maybe that's just recency bias. Yeah, um, that's it for me. Is there anything useful you want to talk about? Mailbag. Mailbag. Away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. First question here is from Midroid. Midroid. Midroids. Very interesting name. I like that name. <laughs> Midroids. <laughs> I'm going to call myself Jungle Roid. <laughs> Hello, Nathan Curtis and BBCers. Midroid here. I would like to ask Nathan about his view and approach on upcoming XP changes. With upcoming preseason patch, top laners are getting more XP. That's what we t- explored in last episode. While bot less and mid less gold. Is this true? Is this what, this we, what we spoke about? Did we? Yeah. Oh, so they're actually getting less experience in gold. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so just experience? Something like that. Okay. I'm wondering as a jungler, is it going to impact somehow how you approach the game, Nathan? Are you going to maybe sit on top more than up until now? Very interesting. I, um, I mean, so the, the first thing I'll say is... Uh, um, you know, we're not going to know obviously until the preseason changes and obviously the preseason changes can change. But uh, yeah, I mean, if carry top laners come into the meta, they're, they are important to play around. They're really good to play around. Split pushes are really awesome. I love playing around split pushes. Very good way to win League of Legends games. Very methodical way to win League of Legends games. Are you a feel-based player, Nathan? Like, like when it comes to changes? Like, or do you like trying to like, you try to come in with a theory and then try to- Based on like the right. patch notes, I'm 100% like, what do you do? feel-based. It's just, it's either going to work or it's You not just send work. it, right? I you just, just send it, it and then see how it feels. Because yeah, I'm, I'm really, the same. Well, I can't, I am, I have a weakness. I genuinely, when I read patch notes and, it, okay, but let's just take, for example, the Syndra. When the Syndra rework was coming out and there's, everyone's getting all excited on the PBA, like, this is what Syndra's kit does. Like, I was genuinely trying to read the, 
the kit, I can't do it, dude. Like, I really struggle with you reading. Just, like, just give me, let me play the champion, yeah. figure it out. Like, I yeah. don't know. I, I, I really struggle to visualize hmm. how a change is going to feel or, or like... I can't when I, when I read a champion's kit, it doesn't mean anything to me until I play it. Like I could read Ophelios's kit for months, and I still or Samira or something like, like that. I, I don't know until I play the champion. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything mm. to me. So like my approach to the whole preseason, we'll get we'll talk about this in the preseason thing uh, episode. Uh, let's get the patch and let's have a feel yeah. For let's. It. I'm just gonna go in. I actually am gonna approach it as a normally. Like yep. I'm literally gonna play exactly yep. like I was. That's right. Before same shampoo, everything like and that, and then get dicked on. Yeah, and then and then change adapt. accordingly. Yeah, that's in my opinion, that's like one of the most efficient ways. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how how, how to do it anyway. Yep. Other than that. Yep. I mean, uh, I think the the top lane experience in gold Shines is like because you know, like with these changes, people over dramatize. Yeah. It. It's like it's going to be so much. It's like, guys, it can't be that much. And and you know, and you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, my bot lane could be such a good win condition for me. It's like it's still, not going to change. You know what I mean? Well, like, how's it going to change? It's like your bot lane's winning and yeah. your top lane's losing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or it's like it's not like you're going to change your. Um, your pre-game hypothesis about win cons because of based like off a the change. The, the change. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's a Fiora versus Jax, but it's on the new patch, so I'm going to, that's even more important now. Yeah. Or just because on the old patch, I wouldn't play. No, it's like, it's not going to change your behavior in any way, shape, or form, is it? In reality. Hmm. Like, it's the champs of the champs. Maybe yep. they're a little bit more snowball yep. which we'll see, right? Yep. Like, if, it, if it does seem like that, maybe. It might impact it later on in some matches. But that would be changed so fast. Riot would hate that. It's like this yeah. is we just ha- everyone's just top all the time. Like yeah, that's, that's just never happened. It's in gonna history play out very similarly. Yeah. You know, think about the last few years. All right, they've changed a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. The game pretty much plays out quite similar. Yeah, the only major changes to the way the game is felt is like scuttle. Like, I would say scuttle and like maybe the timing of the camps, like the you know the jungle clear uh, the respawn timers. Yep. Those are probably the two biggest changes that like really changed the flow of the game. Outside of that, the flow and the, the way the game plays out is pretty the bloody League similar. Legends, the League of Legends is League of Legends. Champions have their kits. They have their strengths and weaknesses. They're good against Chum Champ. They're bad against Sub Champ. It's about experience and gold. You know, the fundamentals of the game stay yeah, changed. Pretty, you know? much. It's, pretty much. It's like you're never going to really see like a patch happen and then like someone like completely drop off unless it's like they're like a one trick. And they, you know, the champion literally gets gutted, you know, like that's, you know, but even then, even if someone's champ gets nerfed, maybe they'll drop down a couple of divisions. It's not like they're going from like challenger to gold. It's just, yeah, that's right. You know? All right. Next question here is from your friend, Julian from the MLA. Title of this email is getting better with the process. How to cycle between learning objectives. Hey, Nathan and Curtis, it's been a while that I've been playing with my three learning objectives, specifically one month. Despite being a decent amount of time, one month, it's nothing to perfect the skills I'm learning. I witnessed some improvements, but I also witnessed myself getting worse in other aspects. To be more specific, two of the learning objectives are in-game, alternating click patterns and faking CS. And the third is outside of the game. View the match as if I was the enemy laner. My mental stack is so focused on the in-game learning objectives, the two that I mentioned, that I easily lose track of stuff I was learning in the past. For example, threat assessment, jungle tracking. I think it's normal, right? 
focusing so much on a specific skill set can compromise the rest of my league player portfolio. Therefore, I think I should move on to other learning objectives, but when? I'm learning something I think I suck at, micro. So I don't think if I made enough progress to stop learning that, I'm losing LP currently, but that's fine. But I feel altered that it's just a zero-sum game. I'll be honest. I think that would have been before my revelation, my my revelation about learning objectives. Okay. So- I wouldn't set those learning objectives anymore. Oh, really? This yeah. was seven days ago he sent this email. And he said it was a month ago. Right, so he had, so he sent that seven days ago, and then on top of that, he said, "I said he's, been, a month he's ago. been playing with his own objectives for a month." Yeah, so that was yeah. before my my revelation uh, when it came to learning objectives. So yeah. I actually wouldn't have, I, now knowing what I know now, I wouldn't set those learning objectives. I would only set those two in-game learning objectives if you were doing one v ones. So we have the one v one dojo now in the MLA. So we do weekly dojo one v one dojo. Um, yeah, if you were to think about those in ranked. You're actually just going to completely overwhelm your mental stack. You won't be free flow and it's going to kind of, it will just overcomplicate your journey. What I would say to him is you need to get a review again because it's been a long time. It's been like now over a month, five, it's been five weeks. So you need to get a review again. We need to touch base. And I would only set those learning objectives or we have a choice. We can keep those learning objectives, but only make them for 1v1s or we shift them all together. So yeah, that that's just... Um, that was my old theory about learning objectives. I wouldn't set that anymore. So touch, touch base with me, Julian, and we'll uh, take it from there. He finished off the email saying, saying that learning is like a climbing a mountain is very generalizing. Rather than that, which is just doing one thing, pulling, putting in full effort, it seems like a continuous task switching to get better at something while avoiding to deteriorate too much in other aspects. Yeah, like we've spoken about before, um, league is a constant cycle. So imagine a bar graph. Let's say everything's at 50%. You focus on one thing, one skill, that's at 50. That might go to 65. And then you swap to another one. And while you swap to the other one, the other one goes from 65 down to 60. So you're still up 10%, but it's not exactly what it was before. But as you cycle through, you're always leveling them up. They go a little bit down until, you know, until you get them all to like, you know, 90 plus. So yes, when you go backwards, you're not going all the way backwards. There is still muscle memory there. It's the same. Uh, it's actually the same I've heard when it comes to um, gym. If you were able to lift heavy weights, there's literally muscle memory. If, like you can lift, say you can bench press 100 kilos. Even if you don't bench press for ages, you can build up to that strength really quickly, quickly comparatively yeah. to someone who had never benched 100 First kilos before. It. Yeah, That's right. All right. I don't really have anything more to add to that. It's more midline specific stuff. Yeah. That's it for today's episode, everyone. Good work. Let's keep on improving. Last episode, I said there was three weeks at the end of the season. It's more than that. Somehow, now it's actually four weeks from the time. Okay, so we've added some time. Giving guys some extra time. It's been a week. (laughs) And I said now it's somehow an extra week. So I thought it was November, early November, but it's actually November 16th, I think. So, uh, okay. One month. Let's get into our, you know, but um, and then we'll get into the preseason. We've got lots to break down there. So yep. we'll see you next week.